Good morning. Um, this morning's going to require some audience participation, so no pressure. <laughs> you can't really hide, sorry. Um, I'm just warning you now so that you can um, either time your loo break or <laughs> you can kind of build up that inner resilience to know. No, I'm, I'm only pulling your leg slightly. Um, slightly. Slightly. Um, we, I don't know if you remember back in October, if you were even around, on the third Sunday, uh, Pip talked about hearing from God, and um, so we're gonna, we want to try and um, input on, on a Sunday regularly, just some really practical Sunday mornings of how we kind of do, do the stuff of the kingdom. And so this morning, I want to talk about the fact that, particularly in Mark's Gospel, but in all of the Gospels, we see Jesus do loads of healings. Um, if you um, haven't read any of Mark's Gospels and you haven't listened to any of the talks that we've done over the last six months, then um, if you have a little read, you'll see that at almost every other occasion that is documented, Jesus is healing somebody or casting out a demon or, um, yeah, healing a, a disease. And we believe that the Holy Spirit is active and present today and does that as well, that acts supernaturally so that people can be healed. So. Um, Couple of questions. Have many of you, have any of you been healed as a result of somebody praying for you? Just give me a little Oh, okay. Have any of you um, heard of somebody being healed as a result of being prayed for? Great. Um, have any of you prayed for healing for somebody and they haven't been healed? Okay, that's probably the most uh, show of hands. Um, I think that when people are ill or sick, even if they don't believe in Jesus, you might often have a conversation with them and they say, you know, I'm praying for this or I, I want God to do this because when we're sick, we reach out, don't we? Um, a couple of examples of just the last two weeks for me. I was at the school gate two weeks ago chatting to a friend who I've only just fairly recently got to know and she started telling me how... Um, She'd made a doctor's appointment to go and see the doctor, but she couldn't actually get to see the doctor for three weeks. Um, and she was just just telling me a little bit about the stuff that was going on in, um, with her. And um, I had this internal dialogue for about, um, it was probably only 10 seconds, but it felt like five minutes, um, where I was like, I need to pray for her. I need to offer to pray for her. I need to offer to pray for her. I, I really should pray for her. Come on, Libby, you lead a church. You really should pray for her. And I chickened out um i did say as the conversation kind of ended i was like do you know what i'm i'm really going to pray for you and she kind of nodded and said thank you and then that we kind of went our separate ways i did text her later to say i want you to know that this is what i'm praying and i texted out a prayer and she did text back and say i really appreciate it thank you but i just wanted to show you that um i'm not standing here as someone who's got this nailed i'm such a wimp um and that gives you one example. Another example that did happen um, this week was another friend of mine I was chatting to, and she talked about the fact she'd got a headache. And almost without thinking, I just went, in Jesus' name, headache be gone. And then was like, oh! And she kind of looked at me, she went, oh, thanks. And I was like, oh, bye! <laughs> um, and um, I mean, she seemed to be fine, but I was like, I was, as I was writing this, I was like, what was the difference in those scenarios? Like, was it that in one situation I'd, you know, been chatting for a bit longer, I'd, maybe I was a bit worried about what she might think or what other people around me might think. 
I had longer to kind of digest it. Whereas in the other situation, maybe I was feeling a little more confident, a little bit more secure in our friendship. I don't, I don't really know. But for me, there are utter extremes. I feel like um, I'm good sometimes at offering to pray for people and I'm really rubbish at sometimes to offer to pray for people. Um, so we want today to be super practical. It is a safe place here where we can practice praying for one another. You know, the whole point of gathered Sundays, of us all being together, is to worship God and to be filled up by the Holy Spirit because we are leaky vessels we can be filled and the Holy Spirit leaks out of us, which is a good thing because we want the Holy Spirit to leak out. So we come to worship to be filled up and to be trained so that we can love, live and work to his praise and his glory wherever we find ourselves. So I just thought I'd show you I'd, um, a couple of people I'd asked to share stories of healings um, aren't here this morning. So um, because over the last 20 months, we've got really good at like filming and like talking to cameras. We film them, so have a little watch of these.
Isn't that amazing? I'm like, God grew Daisy's leg and they might not have necessarily seen it. And it took a doctor to confirm that it had grown. And I'm like, ah, when I heard that story, I was like, why are we not shouting that from the rooftops? Like people's legs, like the osteopath looked at her legs. One is a lot shorter than the other. They prayed. The doctor measured her legs at least twice and they're exactly the same length. Like the significant thing is there is that they prayed and God did something. And, he, and I think so often God does stuff and we often don't realize it. Maybe because we put it down to coincidence, but I, I question whether there's such a thing. So um, I love hearing stories like that. I love hearing stories of God moving. I remember when Jonah was in hospital and Matt and Lydia were like, we need his heart rate to come down. And I don't know the medicine behind that. I don't know whether they would have expected it to come down within 15 minutes, but... Um, I think that God intervened in that moment. Um, so I love it when God acts and God does stuff. But I also get utterly frustrated that we don't see more of our prayers answered. We don't see enough of it. You know, we've prayed for so many people and who haven't been healed supernaturally. Um, and so, you know, I, we just need to keep praying. And we totally believe in doctors doing their thing and God working through them as much as he can do his stuff supernaturally. So why do we pray for the sick? Well, for two reasons. One, because Jesus did it. Jesus's ministry involved um, loads of things, preaching the kingdom of God, healing the sick and casting out demons. Um, you don't have to, I said it already, you don't have to read much of the New Testament to see that Jesus healed people time and time again. So Jesus did it and he is our example, he is our model. And secondly, the reason that we pray for the sick is because Jesus commanded us to. You know, the disciples watched Jesus do his stuff and then he said, you go and do the same as me. You know, Luke 9, Jesus gave his disciples the power and authority to drive out demons, to cure diseases, and he sent them out um, to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. You know, when they reported back to Jesus, um, they told him the things that they had done or the things that they had tried to do and couldn't do. You know, the end of Matthew's gospel in Matthew 28 uh, Jesus says this, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Surely I'm with you always to the end of the age. And similarly, at the end of Mark's gospel, Jesus says, um, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved and whoever does not believe will be condemned. And then he goes on to say, and these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. Well, for those of us in this room or listening to this online at a later date, if, if we have said yes to following Jesus, we can count ourselves as part of that group of those who believe. So therefore, Jesus says that we will place our hands on sick people and they will get well. So we minister to the sick, not because we have a great success rate, uh, but because we are commanded to do so. You know, I've prayed for so many people for healing and some have been healed and some haven't. I've prayed uh, that people will be healed from cancer and they haven't been. I've prayed um, 
for people to be healed of a headache, and they have been. And that's not because God can do one and not the other. It's something that I, we don't always understand. It is the now and the not yet of the kingdom. We live um, in a time when Jesus has, uh, has lived, died, risen again, and ascended to heaven, and he will come again. And we live in this gap where the kingdom of God is close, and we can grasp it, but it's not here in full, which is why we don't always see the healings that we want to. So this morning, we're going to look at a bit of a model. Some of you will know this off the top of your heads already. A model of how we can pray for somebody for healing. This isn't a formula. This isn't a, um, a science where one plus one equals two. Just because we might do these five things doesn't mean that we guarantee healing. But they are just a simple um, model that we can use so that we don't have to freak out or worry or um, try and kind of work out how to do this. It's just all very simple and natural. We can ask God to move supernaturally at any time in any place. We can talk naturally and we can pray naturally. And if we just remember a few simple things, then God may well turn up and heal the person that we're praying for. Firstly, let God lead. Like So, you know, I talked about earlier when I was having that conversation and I knew internally that the Holy Spirit was nudging me to pray. And um, we all have that choice, don't we? Um, we have that choice of saying yes and, and acting on that or of ignoring it. And God doesn't love us any less if we ignore it. Um, but we get to see potentially the kingdom ushered in if we don't ignore it. And when we pray for people, whether we're praying for healing or for whatever we're praying for, our heart is to show love and compassion, to build up and not to bruise. So this, these kind of five steps are ways of just treating people with dignity, honor, love and respect and compassion, which is exactly what Jesus would do. So firstly, the interview. Sounds very formal. You could just call it the hello. Introduce yourself. Say hello. You might already know them, so this might be um, a complete waste of time. But my encouragement is to introduce yourself, to say hi, to um, ask what their name is, and to concentrate. For some of you, you'll be brilliant at this because you'll be zoned in and you'll be focused. For others of us who slightly get slightly distracted quite easily um, can be looking over here but also having a conversation here. My encouragement, and I'm talking to myself as much as any of you, is to concentrate on the person in front of you. Find out their name and ask them what you can pray for. Even Jesus did this in Mark 10 when he encountered Bartimaeus. He said, you know, if you've heard of him, he's generally called blind Bartimaeus. So you kind of have got a bit of a hint of, um, of what might be wrong. Um, for, uh, but Jesus says to him, you know, what, what do you want me to do for you? What can I do for you this morning? And so we can ask people, you know, what seems obvious might not be. Are we taking off the heating? Is that heating or air conditioning? Um, it might be, you might think it's obvious, you know, someone um, has got a broken leg and that they've come forward for prayer for healing and you think, oh, it must be for the broken leg. But actually, it might not be that at all. It might be that they've got a really bad backache. So, you know, ask for what, ask what people want prayer for. Um, you don't have to find out too much. Just remember you're not a doctor unless you are, of which we have a few in the room. Um, this isn't about taking a history and a consultation. This is about just simply saying hello, introducing yourself, finding out who they are, and finding out what you can pray for. 
And at the same time you're doing that, step two is the diagnosis. You know, you do, you do want to ask a couple of questions. You know, is this, um, is this pain or this sickness due to an injury or due to an accident or is it um, re related to stress, something else that's going on in your life? You know, it's good to ask a couple of questions just to see. But while you're asking those questions and saying hello, just be aware of what the Holy Spirit might be just highlighting to you, just nudging in your kind of mind's eye or in your... Um, conscious it might be God gives you a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom about what's going on and then number three pray I just want to encourage you to relax because this isn't about you about you and your success rate or me and my success rate this is simply talking to God and putting our request to him uh, uh, in, with somebody else so relax and um, if it's if it's appropriate, you might want to lay a hand on a shoulder or if they've hurt their back on their back. Obviously, if they've got um, a pain somewhere else, it might be inappropriate to place your hand there, so please don't. Um, and also be aware that if, it's, if you're praying, a group of you are praying for one person, if you all lay hands on somebody's back and then you say, what do you feel? And they say, I feel a bit hot. That could be the Holy Spirit or it could be the fact they've got 10 people's hands on their back. So um, just be sensitive, be aware to that. Um, but yet in the Bible, it, it, the, it, Jesus models placing a hand on somebody or he also spits in people's faces. Unless the Lord speaks really clearly about doing that, my advice would be don't. Um, just because, you know, we want to treat these people with love, compassion and dignity. Um, but laying hands on is a good thing. So relax, lay hands on if it's appropriate. Um, it might be you can stand up. It might be people need to sit down. It's totally up to you. And then invite the Holy Spirit to come and wait. My encouragement would be don't fill the silence with words. Again, some people will find that much easier than others. But let God come. And it's often joked about in the vineyard, you might not have heard of it, but, um, you know, we pray with our eyes open and we worship with our eyes closed, which in other church traditions, that might be the other way around. Um, but we, when we're praying for somebody, we might encourage the person that we're praying for to close their eyes. But we, as the people praying, want to keep our eyes open so we can see the signs of the Holy Spirit. You, know, might, you might see somebody's eyelids flutter. That's, a, that's a, um, a, a beautiful sign of the Holy Spirit just landing on somebody. You might um, see their hands shake or you might just visibly see their face look more peaceful. And, you know, when you're praying for someone and you see those things, there's nothing more exciting than thinking, great, the Holy Spirit's here because actually this is nothing to do with me. This is all about them and the Holy Spirit and what he is doing. So keep your eyes open um, and if... <laughs> I've got here, write it on your hand if necessary. Like, it's because it's automatic, isn't it? Particularly if we've been brought up in the church, is to, when we go to pray is to close our eyes, um, which is great in some situations. But when you're praying for somebody, do keep your eyes open. Um, also, sometimes the Holy Spirit might manifest in a way where people make bigger, bigger movements, people shake. Sometimes people might fall down. And if you're standing there like this with your eyes closed and they're on the floor, you look like a banana. So maybe keep your eyes open. Um, it might be that the presence of God um, falls on somebody and there's no physical manifestation but there is just a sense. You just get this sense, and that's really fine. Just because there's no physical, visible sign doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit's not there and doing something. If someone does manifest 
um, shake or fall over, or that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a demon. We, I know in the book of Mark that we've been looking at, there's plenty of occasions where demons manifest, evil spirits manifest, and Jesus deals with it. Um, I would say that in this context or when you're praying, just because there's a manifestation doesn't mean it is. If it is, then that's a whole nother sermon. But quite simply, the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. He is God. And all you need to say is be gone in Jesus' name. No hype, no flapping around, no nothing. Because actually, Jesus Jesus is king, so we rely on him. If you feel out of your depth and there's other people around that look like they might know what they're doing, then feel free to go and get them. Um, I would say get one of us as senior leaders, but if you're praying for someone in the workplace, it might take us quite a while to get there if um, you feel like you need us. But do, do speak to us about it. And then just bless what God's doing. When we pray, we've got a couple of options. We can petition and we can intercede for people. We can ask God to come and heal them. Um, or we, and there's nothing wrong with that at all, but we do have an example in Jesus where he spoke to conditions. He commanded sickness to leave. He used very few words. And you know, when you read about Jesus's um, life in the Gospels, in Matthew 10, for example, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. A couple of verses later, he called the 12 disciples to him. He gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Jesus, it doesn't appear that Jesus had this model of um, praying long, drawn-out prayers to, the, to his Father to, for people to be healed. He literally commanded sickness to leave, people to be healed, get up, pick up your mat and walk to the paralyzed man. He, he had authority and Jesus has given us authority and power. <clears throat> he gave it to his disciples and he's given it to us as well. You know, there is nothing that we can do to heal somebody. You know, for Daisy's leg to grow, there's nothing that we could do. You know, we could have tried putting her on a rack and pulling out one of her legs. But it, it, was, it was a supernatural act of God. Only the Father can do it. But we can use words like, Leg grow in Jesus' name. You know, eyes be opened. You know, back straighten up. Whatever it is that you're praying for, you can use direct commands and speak to condition. It requires an element of faith and bravery, but just imagine if that happens. Or if you've been in that position and it has happened, there's nothing quite like it because you know that the kingdom of God has, has broken in and you've seen uh, a situation changed. Our encouragement to you would be all of this can be done quietly. There doesn't need to be any hype or shouting or um, waving of arms. Or It's like Jesus never did that. He just spoke. He acted and people responded. So we've got interview, we've got diagnosis, we've got pray, and then we've got check. Ask, the, ask them how they're doing. And all of this could go on for um, 15 minutes or it could be over within a minute. It can happen very quickly. If you're standing with a friend at a bus stop and their bus arrives, you can do it really quickly. Um, but check how they're doing. There's nothing stopping you just kind of saying, you know, what, what's God doing? Are you feeling anything? You know, how, how does this 
Is there any change? Um, oh, that was one thing I didn't say in the diagnosis when you're asking someone what's wrong or what you can pray for. If they're in physical pain, it might be worth asking them on a scale of one to ten, where would you place the pain now? And then it gives you something to measure when you're checking in and you're saying, well, you know, you said it was, a, it was an eight before. We've prayed a bit. Is it any different? Does it feel any less pain? And that's a good way of measuring because if there has been a reduction or you're praying for someone, they've got a lump on their shoulder and as you're praying, the lump shrinks, then, you know, that's like pretty amazing. And also it might encourage you to just pray a little bit more. Let's, let's press into this. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to come and do more. And so by checking in, by seeing how they're doing, you can work out whether you should keep on praying or whether you think um, now's a good time to wrap it up. Um, Mark 8, 23, it says, when he had spit on the, when he has had spat, I think that should be, on the man's eyes, he put his hands on Jesus. And Jesus asked, do you see anything? And then he says, oh, yeah, I see a little bit. And then they go, Jesus says some more. He prays again. Um, so Jesus checked so we can check. You know, if there is no progress, if there doesn't appear to be any change, you know, that could be because of the not yet of the kingdom. Because the kingdom of God is not here fully and we can't understand it and it's not their fault and it's not your fault. It's just the way it is. But we, we, we don't want to stop praying because of that. Because there's always the possibility that there will be healing. But it could be that if someone has um, got something going on in their lives and there's a blockage to healing... I'm just going to read. Now, this is, um, I was joking with um, Anna and Bethany that this is a really old book. Um, it's Power Healing by John Wimber. John Wimber founded the Vineyard Movement, and this is a very old copy. Um, and it's a very old book. <laughs> now, I say old. Old compared to Anna and Betty. Um, I just want to read this one story. Um, two years ago, Kevin Springer prayed for a woman who had severe back pain. During the interview... Jane, not her real name, said that the injury was caused by a physical mishap several years before. But from her response, Kevin suspected that something other than physical damage was the source of her back pain. After a short and fruitless time of prayer, Jane turned to return, turned to, return to her seat, discouraged because her back still hurt. This was yet another failed attempt at divine healing for her. As she turned, Kevin received a specific insight from God into her back problem that it was related to a poor relationship with her mother. This came to him as a thought, her mother, her mother, there's a problem between Jane and her mother. Because of this insight, he called her back for further prayer. Then the, when the woman returned, Kevin asked her if, if she was having problems relating to her mother. He said, even though you said that you were, you'd injured your back in an accident, I believe, I believe the Lord is saying that somehow your back problem is also related to a problem that you're having with your mother. What do you think about that? She confirmed that prob she confirmed problems went back to her childhood, though at first she did not make any connection between her back and her mother. At that point, Kevin decided that the fact the healing of Jane's back was related to the healing of her relationship with her mother and that inner healing was needed before physical healing could happen. After helping her to extend forgiveness to her mother and to receive forgiveness for her sin, Kevin again prayed for her back. This time she was healed instantly. A year later, Jane wrote to Kevin to confirm that her back remained healed. I use 
that simply is an example of like sometimes stuff might be going on in our body that is related um, not just to our physical conditions, but also to our, our, our mental and our, our um, emotional and spiritual well-beings as well. So um, it might be that you're praying for someone or you're getting prayer and the Holy Spirit just gives you a picture or a word of knowledge. And you need to handle that sensitively, but there is no, there is no reason why um, we can't pray with people to see complete release and healing. And it might be to do with forgiving somebody or, um, you know, a relationship with somebody else. As I say, it, you could carry on praying for 15 minutes. You, it could all be over within a minute, um, depending on the situation you're in. If you're praying for someone and it seems like there's progress and God's doing something, you could go again. It might be that if there seems to be no more progress, that's when you wrap it all up. And so the fifth step is disengagement or simply saying goodbye, you know, um, if, if the person you're praying for isn't healed, don't tell them that it's their fault and they didn't have enough faith because that's rubbish. It's lying and it also it won't help anybody. Reassure them that it's not their fault, it's not your fault, it's not, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's a mystery. But actually encourage people to get prayer again, you know. Just because someone's not healed once doesn't mean that they won't be healed again. Um, yeah, I've... I've, I injured my knee years ago and for ages would go up for prayer. Whenever anybody had a word of knowledge about someone's got a painful right knee, I'd be like, yep, that's me. And I'd go at the front. And I was prayed for loads and loads of times and it never, nothing ever really changed. And then there was one occasion, and I don't know what, why it was on this occasion, but um, nobody actually prayed for me, but somebody said um, from the front of church, someone's got a bad right knee, um, do something you can't normally do with it. And I couldn't kind of bend down. Um, and they were like, just try it. And I bent down and I could do it. And I was like, wow. And I think that was down to the Spirit of God just being in the room. And I can't tell you why then and not before. But if, um, if people haven't received healing or if you've not received healing, don't stop asking God to heal you. Keep knocking on the door and saying, okay, I'm going to put myself out there again. Uh, and we don't name and claim. We don't say, you know, we're praying for someone's broken leg and it's not been healed, but we're like, we're going to claim it anyway. And they're like walking around with a broken leg. Like, I mean, that's just silly, right? Um, we, we don't do that. Um, and there's no, there's no condemnation, you know. As I've said, it's not because you haven't got enough faith, I haven't got enough faith. It is the not yet of the kingdom. And we want everybody that we pray for to experience love and compassion. So we say hello, we, inter we interview, we diagnose, we work out what they want prayer for and why. We pray, we check in with them, how are you doing? And then we say, you are loved and <laughs> goodbye. However you want to wrap that up. So many of us aren't seeing the healings that we want to see. We're not seeing the breakthroughs and the answers to prayer. And maybe that's because we're not praying for people as we should, not as in the order, but as in we're not stepping out, we're not being brave enough, we're being more of the wimp that I described myself as at the beginning. So I feel, just even this week having prepared this, I feel like, you know, I've got a fresh excitement about praying for healing and for seeing um, God do stuff. And I mean, like, okay, so 
the story that Lydia shared about Jonah was a couple of months ago. I think it was in September. You know, Daisy was prayed for just a couple of weeks ago and, and her leg grew. So let's press into this. Let's, um, yeah, let's see what, what God can do.